Hey, this is Legend. I'm Sam. I'm Amy. And we are a podcast about cryptids, urban legends, and the paranormal. Heck yeah, we are. (laughs) So what's up? I have a rant. Okay, let's hear it. I bought these adorable cat socks for Halloween. They're orange and black striped, and then at the top is supposed to be a black cat's head with little ears, and you wear them, and it looks all cute and stuff Mm -hmm. i have really big thighs not thighs i was like uh that's way up there those socks are really long no no (laughs) i have really big calves so once i get them on and pulled up to where they're supposed to sit the cat doesn't look like a cat anymore (laughs) it's okay i'm right there with you sister it's very upsetting it's funny you bring that up because the other day I was looking in the mirror, like my full length mirror, and I was looking at my my ankles and my calves, and I was like, <laughs> they're really not that big. And then I go up to the like further up my body, and I'm like, damn, thunder does. <laughs> Look at this. But I feel like my calves aren't that big, but I still I have to buy a wide. Mm. Like if I buy boots, like they have to be the wide calf boots. They don't fit, but I'm like, you really don't look that big. I bought galoshes and I had to cut the backs down them so that they would go over my calves. And your calves, like your legs, have always seemed to remain normal sized legs. Yeah, they didn't grow with the rest of me too much, no. just a little bit. But my calves are just, they've always been freaking muscular. I told Matt the other day, I'm like, I think I'm going to cut calf day out of the rotation. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need it. You got some I, super calves. I don't need them to get But they here. don't they don't look big to me at all. Like they, they look like normal calves. They do not fit normal normal sized mm-hmm. clothes or shoes or any of that stuff. Well, don't feel bad. The bigger I got, the less my calves fit in anything. <laughs> either well, you used to have those soccer player calves <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> my legs have always been nice and stout <laughs> stout what nice happened? and thick one more thing i want to say really quick before we get into the episode i already <laughs> told amy but not that anybody else really cares but i have 237 pages written for my book and ninety three thousand two hundred and seventy nine words just just wanted to say that. Is that the first time you've officially mentioned that you're writing a book on the podcast? I don't know. I know I've said it before. I don't know if it was in any official capacity. I don't even think this is an official capacity. But if you guys want to know, I have absolutely no writing experience, but I'm writing a book. <laughs> because she's awesome at writing. And she used to write stories in school, and I stole one of them and kept pestering <laughs> and pestering her. And then she's finally like, fine, I'll write a book. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope everybody likes it, if everybody even reads it. If anyone even knows it exists after yeah, I'm done gotta, with it. You got to work on that publishing thing, and I hear that can be kind of difficult. Yeah, and promoting and all of that. I'm not really good at that. I'm kind of like hey yeah you want to read it cool here read it i'll be your personal assistant if you can get me insurance i don't know how that works but i'll fucking try (laughs) 
you're a great you would be like super amazing at being very an fun i just need insurance you're so organized yeah sure like hyper organized it's or great like three days and then i forget what life is and then i just sit and stare at the wall that's like my every day <laughs> i'm like i don't know what i'm doing or i just get overwhelmed with everything i know i should be doing and so i'm like you know instead of doing this 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 and this i'm, I'm just gonna watch tiktok videos <laughs> yeah it's kind of ruined everyone hasn't it yeah well it like just makes me feel like I don't have a million things to do (laughs) and then as soon as I put my phone down I'm like hmm nope I just want to look at my phone again yeah yeah well anyways officially you guys I'm writing a book and if you like fantasy stuff then read it if not cool (laughs) and anyway good promotion (laughs) i won't be mad it's okay um today i am covering melon heads amy touched upon melon heads lightly in her dover demon episode that would be episode 39 very lightly for any of you interested very lightly yeah oh also i'm gonna say that while i was looking for the episode number for to throw it out there if anyone wanted to listen to the dover demon episode i saw that we have another five-star review so we have two (laughs) five-star reviews one of them i'm pretty sure is from my sister-in-law thank you april but the other one is from i think someone i don't know that's dope isn't it we should take this time to tell anyone that does listen that uh rate review and subscribe yeah all that stuff supposedly it's good for us i don't know i don't know either i I think it just makes us more visible i don't know but to the person who gave us five stars like completely like on their own without knowing us or anything or being biased towards us we really appreciate you that was really like a nice thing to see (laughs) okay so there are three different states that Melonheads have origin stories in. Michigan, Ohio, and Connecticut. And I'm going to be covering all three of those stories respectively. So it's more than three stories. There are many different versions of the story per state. So I'm going to cover all of those. And nothing I really read was specific about what the time frame is on this. There were a couple times that the 1960s and the 1970s was mentioned. So if I don't specifically say a time frame, I would just assume it's the 60s or 70s. Okay. So we're going to start with Michigan's version of Melonheads, which according to some sources is where the Melonhead legend originally started. Although in one source I read for Connecticut, they claimed that the legend started in Connecticut. Of course they do. And it's spread out from there. So Michigan's legend takes place in Saugatuck, Michigan. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but I said it with confidence. Saugatuck? Yeah. Saugatuck. Let's talk about where exactly the term melonhead came from. Melonhead 
it's either separated into two words or I saw it as one word also, depending on the source. It's said by one person that the term was coined by students who attended an old seminary in Holland, not Holland, the country. (laughs) It's another town in Michigan. Ah. At first, I thought it was Holland, the country, when I was reading it. And I was like, oh, okay, so we're international with this one. But no. No. Now that seminary is apparently called the Felt Mansion. Felt Mansion has a lot of different stories as to what it itself used to be. The same person who claimed it was a seminary says that it was called St. Augustine Seminary. Oh, no, they can't name that. That's a lighthouse. (laughs) I thought that, too. (laughs) The government states that Felt Mansion used to be part of the Dunes Correctional Facility, which was a low-security prison that was shut down. Others believe it was once the site of the Junction Insane Asylum. However, the Elegan, Elegan County Historical Society claims that an asylum never existed there and it's just local lore. Mm. Anyway, if you believe that the Felt Mansion used to be a seminary, the person who claims it is, and I keep saying person because in all the sources they were like, this one specific person, (laughs) but they never gave a name or anything, but it was always one person, only one person has said this. Okay. But they also have a quote from this person, and it is, Rumors start because of the unknown. The Melonheads were actually seminarians at St. Augustine Seminary in the Felt Mansion. The local kids called us that because it was a private school and we were brainy. Uh Uh-oh. That's what he said. Yeah. So, the term was meant to describe smart kids, Mm quote-unquote, And somehow ended up being the term used to describe children suffering suffering from hydrocephalus that stayed in the Felt Mansion, which was supposedly a hospital at the time. Okay. It's gone through many phases. It ha- They claim that that building has been so many different things. <laughs> hydrocephalus is a condition in which fluid accumulates in the brain typically in young children, enlarging their heads and sometimes causing brain damage. Another term that is used for these children is also wobbleheads. That is not nice. No, it's not. That is is mean. I don't, I didn't see anywhere else refer to it, refer to them, not it, (laughs) as wobbleheads though, just melon heads. Still not good, but wobblehead. Seems a little crueler. Wobbleheads remind me of Fallout's bobbleheads. Interesting. That's, that's what comes to my mind. Why specifically Fallout? I think because I never gave a shit one way or the other about bobbleheads <laughs> until Fallout. Okay. There are several versions of the legend, as is the case with most urban legends. So once the hospital that the children were being treated at was forced to shut down the children had nowhere to go and were apparently released into the woods of holland like animals i guess that is mean yeah and they just kind of wander around there now that reminds me of orange is the new black when what was it called i don't remember what it was called but when they're 
inmates get old and senile. It's like a caring release or some sort of release. Oh, okay. I, I remember that. I don't remember either. It's been a long time since I've seen that. Very cruel. Yeah. However, another much darker version is that while the children, and actually, I'm going to give like a trigger warning for this episode right now, because (laughs) if you're sensitive to child abuse or things like that, you might not want to listen. All right. See you later. All right. No judgment. See you in the next one. So there's a darker version of the story. That while the children lived in Felt Mansion, they suffered unimaginable abuse at the hands of their doctor. Eventually, when the children had had enough, after years of torture, they murdered the doctor. Cool. They dismembered his corpse and got rid of the pieces by burying them or hiding them around the mansion. Makes sense. Once they had done that, they fled the mansion and lived in underground caves that were left over from an abandoned zoo. well the uh living in the zoo tunnels makes me conjure up penguin i thought of penguins too did you wait are you thinking of batman penguin or batman penguins (laughs) oh no i thought of actual penguins like the penguin exhibit for some reason oh well i mean in batman he was living in the penguin exhibit Right, right. We're twins in a weird parallel way. Yeah. (laughs) There's also a theory that melon heads come from behind the Cook Nuclear Plant in Bridgman, which is in southwest Michigan. Version one of this story is that there was an insane asylum located in the woods behind the nuclear power plant before the power plant got there. Then there was a fire that burned the asylum down, and the melon heads escaped the fire and now roamed the woods around the power plant. Okay. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. The second version is that there were a normal group of people that lived in the woods. I don't I don't like saying normal. They they didn't suffer from hydrocephalus. Yeah. Non-melon heads. Non-melon heads. Yep. And they lived in the woods behind the nuclear power plant. They were exposed to the radiation of the nuclear power plant and became ashamed of their swollen, enlarged, misshapen heads and decided to never leave the woods. There's always some sort of deformity story around nuclear power plants. Yes. And you'll find that in most of these stories, melon heads are actually pretty docile. They're not really that threatening. They just kind of want to live their life. Understandable. Me too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same. So now that was Michigan's. We're going to go move on to Ohio's version of the legends. It sounds pretty similar to the doctor's story of Michigan's. This one to me is probably the more messed up legend or legends Ohio's is. Um, And it takes place in Kirkland and Chardon, Ohio. There was a doctor named Dr. Crow, and sometimes it was spelled with an E at the end, who was a mad scientist (laughs) who worked at a mental hospital and who either kidnapped or even worse, made an arrangement with the mental hospital to, quote unquote, acquire the children (laughs) so that he may do experiments on them. Wow. 
It said that a lot of the experiments were focused on the children's brain and head. He uh, would inject different fluids into their heads. And he also would perform lobotomies on them. Of course he would. No one really knows the reason he was performing the experiments. There was some sources that said it was to help cure his own child of some sort of disease or illness. But then others say he was just sick and demented. Okay. I have a question for you, though. Okay. What makes someone a mad scientist? Like, is there, like, requirements they have to meet when they're applying for that job? I've never really heard if there are requirements, but in my own mind, I assumed mad scientists were people who did horrific experiments, like, unethical experiments. Okay. That's always what constituted a mad scientist to me. But I don't know if that is the actual requirement. I picture the crazy scientist guy in a crash bandicoot. He has, I could see that. He has a big head. Maybe Uh-oh. maybe he's a melon head. He created the melon heads. Yeah, in his image. Because he also yep. thinks he's God. Yep. There you go. You solved it. Once again, we're out of here. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Yep. Of course, with all of this trauma to their heads, they were swollen and misshapen. And because of the lobotomies, the melon heads were known to be, like I said, docile in nature. And occasionally, Dr. Crow would lose one of the children. (laughs) They would just kind of wander off, I guess. But he was always able to get them back really quickly. Oh, well, that's good. Did he have a tracker Mm -hmm. in them or something? Didn't say it. They they just said that they wandered off and because they were docile and, (laughs) you know, just... I don't know. They just were caught super fast. They were out front picking daisies. Probably. They seem like really chill. But I mean, lobotomies sometimes do that to you. Another really fucked up story involving Dr. Crow is interesting because it doesn't actually mention melon heads. But it revolves around Dr. Crow. So I figured I would say it. And I'm, this is another trigger. Like, if you can't handle children things, this episode is not for you. And especially this next paragraph I'm about to read. (laughs) So, Dr. Crow lives in a cabin in the woods and performs illegal abortions. He also murders any infants that are born deformed. After he would... After he would murder them, he would bury their bodies around the knoll that was near his cabin. Apparently, the basement of the doctor's cabin, which is abandoned now, is apparently filled with the sound of crying babies. As well as around the knoll where he buried them. Because of this, the bridge that is located near the cabin has been dubbed Crybaby Bridge. Oh, that's messed up. Fucking horrible. But yeah, so there's no actual melon heads in that story, but there are well there might be a few stories about Dr. Crow. Hmm. Speaking of, we're going on to another legend involving Dr. Crow, but this one also involves melon heads. Okay. 
And this one paints him in a much nicer light. (laughs) So Dr. Crow and his wife lived alone in an isolated cabin in the woods. So just like the previous story. And he was asked to take care of a group of children that had hydrocephalus. And because people are assholes, the locals started calling them melon heads. Mrs. Crow, who was an apparent angel had a very strong motherly instinct and became infuriated with the locals and she tried to shield the children from getting hurt and she tried to protect them. Uh, The children began to look at her as their mother. Unfortunately, Mrs. Crow passed away one day and the children became utterly distraught and they started trashing the cabin in panic. Dr. Crow tried to calm them down, but he was unable to. During the children's panic, they knocked over a kerosene lamp, which set the cabin on fire. Because the cabin was old and made of wood, the cabin quickly became engulfed in flames, trapping Dr. Crow and all of the children inside, and it burnt them all to death. Ooh, that's that's rough. Yeah. Now the children can be seen wandering the woods as ghosts. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah. They're all really sad stories. Sorry, it's kind of a bummer. (laughs) It's said that Dr. Crow is buried in Center Chardon Cemetery, and that because of that, there are a lot of sightings in the cemetery of Melonheads. Interestingly enough, there was an actual Dr. Crow found to live in the area in the 1940s, and I think that's who the headstone belongs to. He was a dentist... And there was never any mention of him involved with melon heads or crazy exper- experiments of any kind or any fires for that matter. He just filled everyone's head with gas, the laughing gas, and yep, that was it. And then their heads he did his experiments balloons. legally. Mm, that just makes me think of um, Steve Martin in My Brain Stopped Working. Do, 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 do. Little Shop of Horrors. Ah, uh, okay. Okay, yes. <laughs> it just, it just I don't... totally left. It's one of my favorite movies. I watch it whenever I can. I own it on Amazon Prime. I should own it. One of the more popular stories for the Ohio Melon Heads, of course, involves the government. <laughs> of course, it's always the government. Always. They were not surprisingly conducting secret government experiments on human subjects. Mmm, shock. Although this legend is interesting in the fact that it does not specify children. There was nothing specific mentioned as to what they were testing. But whatever they were doing caused the subjects' heads to swell. And like in all the other legends, caused their heads to become large and deformed. Once the government was done with their experimentation on the subjects, they decided they needed to cover the entire thing up like they always do. So they shipped the melon heads off to the woods in the middle of nowhere in the (laughs) middle of the night. Something interesting that was said, though, was that because the government treated the melon heads so well and took (laughs) care of all of their needs, you know, other than performing hideously disfiguring experiments on them. They were very contented and a very, again, docile group of people. 
But even so, every once in a while, one of the melon heads would become restless and want to make contact with the outside world. Typically, they would wait until nighttime and leave their community in the woods to wander towards civilization. But once they got a glimpse of what the rest of the world was doing, they would get scared and run back to their community, <laughs> which is said to be located by a Wisner Road. I'm not from the area, so I have no idea where that is, but that road was mentioned a lot for mm. Ohio. So is that one like a legend that keeps going? Like people are like, don't go to that road because you'll see a melon head still? Yes. So does mm-hmm. that mean that whatever experiments they were doing to the people, they are reproducing more melon heads? There is. I don't remember which when I get to it, but there is one where they say that melon heads keep reproducing with each other and making more melon heads. Okay. So I'm assuming yes. <laughs> or they're immortal with their melon heads now. Right. Mm-hmm. They Or they're ghosts. Oh, yes. Ghosts. So now we're going to talk about Connecticut's version of the legend. They have several versions of melon heads and there seem to be the most different, I guess you would say, from the previous. <laughs> there are versions of it. Cool. They are found mostly in heavily wooded areas and roads, and one source lists several locations they've been known to inhabit. Zion Hill Road in Milford and Sawmill City Road in Shelton were two specific roads mentioned. And then they listed a couple towns, Monroe, Stratford, Seymour, Weston, Easton, Oxford, Southbury, Fairfield, New Haven, and Trumbull. Interesting. That's a lot of places. That is a lot of places. My favorite is just Weston and Easton, though. (laughs) They ran out of names. West and East with on. But anyway, I found a couple of descriptions of what their melon heads look like. One source, the registered citizen, describes them as small and frail, With long, spindly appendages, they have crooked, gnarly teeth, and most notably have bald, bulbous heads that are out of proportion with their bodies. Why the crooked teeth? I don't know, but I saw another source that said that they have sharp, pointy teeth. Okay. Like, they what, they file their teeth or something? I don't know. Another source I found, the New England Historical Society, describes the melon heads as, quote, humanoid in appearance, which to me would suggest that they don't believe that melon heads are human. Maybe. That's strange. They believe they're Dover demons. Maybe. They never said anything about what else they would think they are. Aliens? Other than humans. Yeah, there was no alien theory, Hmm. which is surprising. Here is their description. Quote, they look like small humanoids with oversized heads, and they rarely come out from hiding. They survive by eating small animals, stray cats, and human flesh, usually the flesh of teenagers, end quote. Where do they get this flesh? Teenagers. They just go and pick up teenagers? Apparently. Okay. Maybe it's an anti-love lane. Actually, that is one of the theories. Mm-hmm. Don't go make out, kids. You'll get eaten by a melon head. Yep. 
The New England Historical Society also mentions something pretty interesting. They state that there is a story that the melon heads actually date back at least a century to Europe. Wow. There was supposedly a large family of melon heads that lived in Bavaria, Germany in the mid 19th century. Another family of melon heads were inbred and apparently known as Weeble heads Aww. lived outside of Risbury, England around 1900. So, two things. I want a Bavarian cream donut now. Mm-hmm. That sounds delicious. Number two. Isn't Weeble the name of the robot in Flubber? I have not seen that movie since I was a child. Oh, I watch I don't it all the time. Know. It's on Disney. Go watch it. <laughs> Will do. But I just think it's funny that now we have Weeble heads and Wobble heads <laughs> and Melon heads. They Weeble Wobble. Weeble wobbles. There is a somewhat similar story to Michigan and Ohio's where they say that melon heads escaped from Fairfield Hospital in Connecticut, which is now an abandoned mental institution, or that they escaped from Garner Correctional Institute, which specializes in inmates with mental health problems. Both are located in Newtown or Newton, Newton. <laughs> not Newtown. Are they still operational? No. Nah. Similarly, there is a story that in the 1960s, the Melonheads escaped an unknown mental institution. The mental institution caught fire. Some of the inmates escaped and turned to cannibalism and also inbreeding, which caused their heads to swell and for them to become deformed in general. That is the story I heard the most when I Mm -hmm. did five seconds of research. (laughs) Yep. See, and before you had mentioned it, the only story I really knew was Dr. Crows. I knew the variants of Dr. Crows, but that's what I knew. There's a story about how the melon heads were originally a family of accused witches. Yep, that one too. (laughs) They escaped the witch trials and persecution. Persecution? By isolating themselves and inbreeding, Mm -hmm. which caused the melon head mutation do you think inbreeding would cause their powers to get stronger i don't know maybe that's why their heads went all big because their power was stored in their head i don't i don't know i feel like it would cause them to be stupider well we obviously know with great power does not mean great intelligence (laughs) (laughs) true very true But I feel like if your brain gets weaker, then your magic would get weaker. I don't know. That 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 would be my theory. Okay. Interesting. There's a specific story about a blue granada in Connecticut that involves their version of the melon heads. Back in the 1980s, a group of girls from Notre Dame High School in Fairfield decided to drive around after a football game on a Friday night. They all got into a blue granada, which is a car. And wound up on Velvet Street in Trumbull, where they decided to look for melon heads. (laughs) They parked the car, leaving the headlights on, and decided to head out into the woods. After they walked a few feet into the woods, they heard the car door slam and the engine start. (laughs) The car began to drive right towards them. They could see small children-like figures inside with large heads and ragged clothing. Most interesting to me is that they had an orange glow in their eyes, which no other version explains. Mm-mm. 
Some say that the melon heads still drive around in that blue Granada. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Jeez. There's another theory that the term melon head may originate from the word melusion, which describes mixed race people in Appalachia. Another quote from them, quote, they had an ancestry of European outcasts, freed slaves and Native Americans, and they kept to themselves, end quote. Okay. I found an article written by someone named Ray Bendici on a website called Damned Connecticut, (laughs) which, by the way, off topic, but I freaking love their logo design. It's so simple, but so perfect for urban legends and creepy stuff. It's just damned in black bolded lettering Connecticut in the same. And then a crow or a raven sitting on top of the A. I don't know. It's just, I like it a lot. It's simple. It does sound but I like it. very simple and your style. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> it's just simple and nice. And like, you know, you know, there's symbolism behind ravens and, and the damned and all of that. So I just, I really like it. So anyways, good job. <laughs> So in their article, he talks about how he grew up with the legend of the melon heads and he goes into the several theories behind what they are, but he goes over the Malusian theory as well, adding that they were an isolated group of Appalachian mountain people in the southeastern United States. He specifically lists Tennessee, Kentucky, and eastern Virginia who decided to stay away from people. He theorizes that the Malusian were sometimes bastardized in his words into melon head so they're basically two separate groups of people living in rural connecticut there's the malusian and then the melon heads uh but because they shared similar features somehow they got branded as the same thing and condensed into one category Mm. if that makes sense they all just became melon heads he makes a really good point and he says, quote, then over time that got changed to Melonhead. And since people tend to fear what they don't know about or understand, the story of boogeyman horror were attributed to them. That ignorance was passed down through the years and the rest, as they say, is legendary. <laughs> Cheesy. Mm-hmm. Just like us. Because <laughs> yep. I had to add it. Now, if none of this is real... I'm going to talk about some theories as to why the legend of the melon heads was most likely created. The biggest theory is that the entire legend originated in the 1960s and 70s and was a way for parents to kind of control their children. They would tell them the legend of the melon heads in hopes that it would make their kids be on their best behavior. If the kids weren't behaving or were trying to sneak out or not go to bed, the parents would threaten the kids with the legend of the melon heads, saying that they'll come and get their kids. Is there any legend that didn't start with parents trying to control their children? I don't know. <laughs> it seems like parents were like, you know what? You're not fucking listening to me. I'm going to scare the shit out of you. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of an ingenious parenting tactic. Not going to lie. Does it work? I mean, it definitely scares the shit out of kids. Does it cause probably mass therapy in the future? (laughs) Probably. 
So as far as Connecticut's version about the backwoods inbred melon heads, the theory is that the story originated after World War II when people were still stupid and super paranoid about people who lived in rural areas. I think it was some kind of classism, if I understood it right. Probably. Yeah, it didn't seem like racism. It, It seemed like classism. Essentially, people believed that the people who lived out in the country were all uneducated and inbred and shunned from society. I mean, that still goes around. Oh, definitely. (laughs) So those were like the two really big theories, you know, as to why the legend was created. They seem pretty spot on. Mm Mm-hmm. And as far as firsthand accounts of melon heads, I really couldn't find any. When I typed them into Reddit, I found a lot of mentions of baseball, and I'm not sure why. I don't know if it's a team or what, and I didn't really look into it because I don't really care. (laughs) Sorry. In a Ranker article and a Weird U.S. article, though, I found a story about a man named Tony from Chardon, Ohio, who was driving with his family down Chillicothe Road when they came to a section of the road with fields on both sides. Then Tony saw someone strange running along the ditch. He is quoted to have said, I looked out my window and saw him, a melon head. He, or it, was running next to the ditch. We were going about 45 to 50 miles an hour, and the melon head was actually keeping up with us. (laughs) End quote. The melon head was apparently wearing ripped brown pants and a white shirt with red stains. He was around 5 foot 7 with light brown skin, a large head, and two holes where his ears should have been. He ran off into the woods as the family turned a corner. He was able to run that fast because the head, without the ears, very aerodynamic. (laughs) Oh, yeah? Mm -hmm. Fact. (laughs) Pure fact. God, you're so good at this. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, The other first-hand account was made by a woman named Kelly Top Bedrosian. She says that she was exploring the woods of the Felt Mansion with her friends at night when she saw a man with an unusually large head (laughs) that started to walk towards them. She says, quote, not knowing who this man could be, my friend yelled hello to try and be friendly. (laughs) But all we got was a loud grunt and the man continued to walk towards us, but now at a faster pace. At this point, the same idea hit all of us, and we started sprinting towards our car. We scrambled in and peeled out of the parking lot at full speed, not slowing down until we were several miles from the mansion. And we learned not to yell things at anyone in the dark don't that talk you to don't strangers. know who they are. <laughs> yeah. Frogs will shoot wand sparks at you. <laughs> 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 yeah and a melon head will probably just be super nice to you probably because, unless they're the cannibal kind oh yeah yeah there's one variation where they're yep. they're cannibals oh or if well if I you're mean, a teenager yeah, cannibals, a teenager which yeah. they i don't know they sound like they were teenagers maybe they were. or at least young adults maybe that's why he sped up he was like hey that hello sounded like a teenager <laughs> <laughs> yummy yummy <laughs> Or maybe he was also just a drunk man with an unfortunately large head. That is possible. But that's that's what I have for melon heads. Thoughts? Uh, yeah. 
they're interesting lots and lots very of interesting various stories that are just not very pc <laughs> No, no. Dr. Crow's stories definitely are the worst stories. I feel like they were difficult yeah. to uh read. But that's those are the stories. All of his versions of the stories were the ones that I remember hearing about. Hmm. I had never heard of them until his name was mentioned in the article when I was looking up Dover Demon things. Really? Mm-hmm. I think I heard a podcast episode about them before, or that they were mentioned offhandedly in a, in an episode, not yours, because <laughs> you you did the same. But I think in one of the podcasts I listened to, they were mentioned like just a little blurb about them. Mm. But Connecticut's version seemed all based on like classism and inbreeding. Yeah. Like, really big into the inbreeding. Maybe it was a colony thing. It might have been. I don't know. There wasn't really, like, a time frame on any any of the stories. Like, it doesn't say when the stories started. Except for if you go based on that 1960s, 1970s parent theory. Yeah. Or the war after the war. Or- yeah, World War Two. So, what was that? Nineteen forties. Yeah. yeah, the end of a, or middle end, something like that. Yeah, but I, that I feel like that's a good classic urban legend. I think so. lots of different variations, mm-hmm. and it gets like passed ear to ear, you know. So things change, little pieces of it, and it's used to scare children. That's always a top priority always. for urban legends. Always, but man, I don't. Hopefully, people aren't telling their kids like about illegal abortions and oh, they are babies. Who? We're not gonna get into that. So, what would you <laughs> rate this on the <laughs> weird shitometer? <laughs> weird shitometer. I'm a. I'm gonna give it a eight. Ooh. I feel like there's so many different variations of it. Like, you can't keep your... There's fucking abandoned tunnels to an abandoned zoo. And then Penguin tunnels now. Yeah. (laughs) And cannibals and inbreeding and crazy doctors. And... (laughs) Yeah. And the one thing... Weird stuff. It does. And the one thing, too, that I feel like puts it up there is that in 99% of the stories, 98% of the stories, I guess, they're nice. Like they're nice. <laughs> After all the shit, they're nice. No. I think maybe a six point five. Hmm. We're going with a little halfsy point. Yeah. Not quite a seven for me, but that's just because you know it has generic urban legend stuff in there. So. Most definitely. Yeah. I want I want some urban legends that are like what? Like what? <laughs> what? I think I put it up there for it just because it it's dark. Like the darker they are, the higher I'll probably score them. Yeah. All the child abuse is pretty dark. <laughs> yeah. It it's terrible. Oh. It's it's so bad. So 
anyway, let us know what you think about it. Are you from any of those areas? Michigan, Ohio, Connecticut? Did you grow up with the legend? Were you told a different version? Because I'm sure there are other versions out there that I missed because there are a ton of them. So we would love to hear from you. Um, You can also tell us about other strange things that have happened to you or things that you've seen go bump in the night. You can tell us over on our website at thisislegendpod.com. We always have our email, thisislegendpod at gmail.com. And follow us on our social medias, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, at thisislegendpod. Keep it spooky, classy, and sassy. But most of all, keep it legendary. Bye.